Good morning. I understand you've all been on break from dwelling in the Word. Probably some of you are thrilled about, um, and others of you might woefully be missing. I think that our services have been a little bit too easy without something like that. So I'm going to make you talk to one another for just a second, if, if you can do this. So find a partner uh, or two, and, and I just want you to answer kind of these questions. First, what is a way that you have seen or experienced the kingdom of God this past week? What is a way you've seen or experienced the kingdom? And then the second question, and this is kind of reaching back to last week, if you were here, what is a way that God has gifted you to do work in the kingdom? So those two questions, what is a way you've seen the kingdom of God this week, and what is a way that you have been gifted to participate in that kingdom? So find a partner, talk about those things. I'm just going to give you guys a few minutes. Ready, set, go. All right, let's bring it together. Uh, thank, thank you guys. Yeah, thank you for entertaining that and, and trying that out. Um, and yeah, just sharing little pieces of where you're seeing the kingdom of God at work. Little hints of it all over the place. I'll share one of my own um, stories. This past week, I sort of had this unexpected experience of the kingdom of God while I was in the car driving, uh, actually here, um, to, to work. Now, uh, driving through commuter traffic is not usually the place that one would expect to encounter the kingdom of God. Um, maybe anger and anxiety, uh, but, but the presence of God, right? Um, but so I was, as I was on my way, I was listening to this little uh, prayer podcast called Pray As You Go, um, and I absolutely recommend it. It's like a little 10-minute or so uh, thing that they have a prayer prompt and the scripture reading. It's, it's really fantastic. And I was li- uh, listening to this on the road. I was just getting onto the highway, just entering the, the sort of war zone that is transit, right? And the prayer prompt was, I am not alone as I sit here trying to pray. Christ is present in these people around me. And that phrase just sort of stuck with me, and it transformed the entire rest of my drive because no longer were the drivers around me people in my way uh, or just traffic to try to dodge, um, but they actually became people who were loved by God, right? Um, People who I began to feel curiosity about. Uh, I began to feel some kind of compassion for them rather than anger and anxiety, um, right? Like, what, what a moment prayer can do uh, to just change the trajectory of your day. Um, and so that was one way that I experienced that this past week. And uh, so, yeah, thank you for sharing some of yours. Uh, dr- driving to work uh, has been kind of a new experience for me, uh, not just because I'm kind of getting used to making the drive down here. I am commuting from North Seattle, where I still live right now, um, sooner or later, in the next few months, I'll, I'll be living closer. But uh, for now, that's, that's the trek that I'm making uh, uh, throughout the week. And uh, it's not just that that's new, but driving kind of in general has been sort of new for me because I just got my car about a month ago. And before that, I lived in Seattle and was just kind of doing buses and public transit. Um, anytime that Katie and I were going somewhere, often she would drive or, or we would take her car and I would drive. Um, that was kind of how... 
I was used to getting around. And, and I've been realizing some things as I've gotten more used to driving. And that is where you were looking and what you were doing are really important. Uh, they, they affect a lot about, about how driving goes. Um, so, so where you're looking, here's, here's kind of a common occurrence. Uh, Caitlin and I will be driving around, and, and we'll be deeply immersed in some kind of conversation, and, and I'll be driving along, and then, you know, I, and out of the, surely the kindness of my heart, I, I look over at her to, to just make eye contact and connect. Um, well, as I'm driving, when I look to the right, I veer to the right. Um, and that, that freaks Caitlin out. So, so sort of vision, right, where you're looking is, is fairly important as you're driving around. Another thing is just simply what you're doing uh, matters. Have any of you ever had one of those moments where you were driving somewhere and just kind of automatically drove somewhere out of habit that was not at all where you intended to go? Yeah? Um, I, I, again, did this uh, a few weeks back. Um, it was shortly after I had just gotten in my car, and this was one of the first times that I had actually picked up Caitlin. And we had gone around and done stuff. And then at the end of the day, uh, I just automatically drove myself home and pulled up there, and she kind of looks over at me and goes, hey, what are we doing? And I was like, oh, yeah, I need to bring you home. <laughs> um, just automatically drove without thinking about it. Um, so yeah, vision and habits, right, are these things that, that are really important uh, to driving around, not only to our safety, uh, but just to determining whether we even get to where we meant to go at all. Um, vision and habit. And these are the things that the passage we're going to be looking at deals with today. So I want to go ahead and invite you, open to Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to read a little bit together. Um, again, I, I just always want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, uh, pull it out. I know there's some spread around in some of the seat backs, um, but it'll be on the screen as we read it through at the beginning, but I'd love for you to be able to kind of just look through it as we talk. Um, before I read it, um, just to tell you kind of where we're going today, uh, during the first few weeks, uh, these past couple weeks that we've had together, I've spent a lot of time talking about what it means to be the church, uh, to cast sort of this shared vision of ministry together. And so far, we've talked about who we are as a church. Uh, that first week, kind of who I am to be as your minister, and this past week, who we are as a community that's equipped uh, for the work of ministry together. And this week, uh, I want to sort of transition from talking about who we are as a church to what we do as a church, uh, some of the things that we are doing. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to go with that. Um, I'm going to read a big chunk, uh, verses 1 through 17. Um, and I think that, I know that's kind of a, a lot of verses, but I think they're going to help link together that question of who we are and what we do, or maybe another way of putting it, linking together our vision and our habits. So let's read. Paul writes to the Colossians, if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, Whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, 
evil desire and greed, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming on those who are disobedient. These are the ways you also once followed when you were living that life. But now you must get rid of all such things, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have stripped off the old self with its practices and have clothed yourselves with the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge according to the image of its creator. In that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, but Christ is all and in all. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other, just as the Lord has forgiven you. So also you must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for your word. The gift that you have spoken to us and that you tell us your story over and over again. God, I pray that as we sink into this text today, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts. That we can know you and love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so it's a lot, a lot of ground to cover, um, but again, we're, we're kind of moving from who we are as the church, which just kind of to sum up that, uh, we are people about Jesus. That's kind of the, the, the resounding theme that I've, I've kind of tried to just bang that drum over and over again the last couple weeks. Uh, as your minister, I am to point us to Jesus as a community that is gifted uh, as, as one and many. We are rooted in Jesus together. Uh, this is who we are. Um, and then today we're moving toward what we do as the church. And I want to specifically focus on one obvious thing that we do together as the church, and it's what we're doing together right now, here this morning. Uh, Each week, we gather to sing, to read scripture, to pray. Um, uh, We may call it a worship service or or maybe another, uh, you know, word for what we're doing is is this word liturgy. Uh, Some of you might use that. I found that to be actually really helpful uh, for me um, because sometimes worship is either so, so broad that it just encompasses all of life, or we use it so narrowly that it just means singing. Um, and I, I like the word liturgy because it sort of encompasses 
just this set of what we do as we sing and pray and read um, together here. Uh, but, but why do we do this, right? Why do we gather here each week over and over again? What's the point? Now, the last couple of verses that I read here, verses 16 and 17, I think describe our Sunday gatherings, um, our liturgy, really well, right? Um, dwelling in the Word, teaching and admonishing, singing psalms and hymns. Uh, this is what we do. And originally, I was actually just going to kind of do those two verses and just really focus in on them. But the more that I found myself asking the question, well, why do we do that? I, I had to keep backing up. I had to back up to, you know, a few verses, then a few more verses, and finally I ended up with 17 verses. I'm like, all right, we're doing it. Um, so here we are. Um, because there's a lot to cover, I'm going to give you guys an outline um, of kind of what we have here. So if you're a note taker, ready, set, go. Um, verses 1 through 4 are about looking at Christ, okay? It's about vision. Verses 5 through 9 are about what happens when our vision turns away from Christ, okay? Whenever you look to the side and kind of veer, kind of like I do sometimes when I'm driving. Uh, verses 10 to 15 are about what happens when our eyes are set on Christ. And then finally, verses 16 through 17 are about how we look at Christ, cultivating habits, um, so, so I think this is why we do what we do as a church, to cultivate holy habits that set our vision on Christ. If that's the only thing you get today, um, awesome. Uh, but I don't want you to just take my word for it, so let's read a bit uh, back here. Verses 1 through 4, about looking at Christ, right? About our vision as the people of God. Paul writes, If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And here we find that same gospel story that we were talking about last week, if you remember, the one who descended is the same as the one who has ascended to the highest heavens. Um, here Christ is, raised to new life, ruling and reigning over the kingdom of God. And Surprisingly, here we are with him, raised to new life in him. And it is absolutely essential that we begin here. The passage begins, if you have been raised with Christ. And the rest of the passage only makes sense in that context. As I mentioned earlier, I'd thought about beginning in verse 16. Um, but I think if we don't start here in verse 1, then we're going to end up with a very different kind of story. We're going to end up with a very different kind of gospel. Um, so, for example, if we started in verse 16 about the word, about teaching one another, about singing, then we end up with a gospel of religion, right? Of doing church stuff. We end up with a gospel about Bible studies, uh, worship services, that sort of thing. The gospel ends up ultimately becoming a religious checklist that we work through and that we perform. Now, if we back it up and we started, say, in verse 10 or 12, um, you know, we've got put on compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, this sort of stuff. And if that's where we start, then we end up with a gospel about good virtues, about being a good person, right? Doing good works, social justice, being virtuous in community, um, these are good things, but they're not the thing, right? 
Okay, so if we back it up a little bit more, we start at verse 5, uh, put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, well, then we end up with a gospel of morality. So it's not even about being good people, it's just about not being bad people, right? Um, and we end up measuring our spiritual life really just by comparing ourselves with other people and saying, well, I'm not that bad. And that ends up just cultivating pride and judgment. And so we've got to back it up to verse 1. That's the journey that I went on this week, because I was like, where are we going to start? Verse 1 is where we're going to start. Uh, When we start here in verse 1, rather than a gospel of religion, virtue, and morality, we see a gospel rooted in the person of Jesus. And this is where we have to start as people of God. This is what we must always do as a community of Christ constantly point one another back to Jesus over and over again. And so we start by dying and by being raised with Christ. Um, And ultimately, uh, this is also where we end, right? In verse 4, it says that we will be revealed with him in glory. So this is the beginning and this is the end. Uh, Verses 1 through 4 are like this eternal bracket, Um, that the rest of this passage falls into. And so the rest of the passage just talks about things dying and things coming to life, about this ongoing journey of following Jesus. And I've just got to say, many of you have been following Jesus for longer than I've been alive. Um, And yet, here we still are, journeying toward glory, right? The journey is not easy. And it's ongoing. And that's what the rest of this passage is about. Um, And so let's look on toward verse 5 through 9. So these first few verses have called us to look to Christ, but, but there are so many things that turn our hearts and minds away from Christ every day. Now, we've talked about this morning, and I've shared quite a bit over the past few weeks, that the kingdom of God is found in everyday moments. And it absolutely is. But there is a lot else found in everyday moments as well. Things that seek to turn our eyes away from Jesus. And just like me looking to the side while I'm driving, cause us to veer and swerve throughout life. And in verses 5 through 9, Paul warns about what happens when we look away from Christ. And he does this with sort of two what are called vice lists. So he just, you know, Paul will just start railing and just sort of list off things. And he does this, actually, sort of systematically, there are two lists of five things each. And so that first set is in verse 5. Um, and the five things are, he warns us about fornication, impurity, passion, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. All of these in this first set are sins that have to do with what is in you. An impure heart with evil desires that looks around with greed and idolatry. This is about the state of the heart. And the, it's been said that the human heart is an idol factory. Um, and so with our eyes turned away from Jesus, our hearts get to work. Um, it just produce all kinds of idols, start desiring all kinds of wrong things. So this first set is about things that that are happening within us. The second set is in verse 8, and Paul warns us about anger, wrath, 
malice, slander, and abusive language from your mouth. Um, And so this set has to do uh, not just with what is in you, but what comes out of you, right? And these sins naturally follow the first. Anger, slander, and abusive language flow from an impure heart with evil desires. Jesus is the one who purifies our hearts. He gives us the Holy Spirit. He teaches us how to live. And when we look away from Jesus, we veer, we swerve, and that's not only dangerous for ourselves, but it's dangerous for all the people around us as well. And I want to say there's another even more subtle way that we can be affected by turning our eyes away from Jesus. Because Paul here is writing about impure hearts and abusive actions. And maybe you're thinking, well, that's not me. I'm, I'm not prone to outbursts of anger or anything like that. I'm pretty cool, collected. I'm a nice person, right? Um, and, and I think the temptation for good religious people, right, or good moral people isn't abuse, but rather apathy. That in many ways, um, I think this is more subtle and even more sinister uh, than outright lust and anger because it quietly kills our hearts and siphons us off from people and from community. I think apathy might be one of the primary illnesses of the American church. Um, We're very comfortable with our religious lives and and sort of doing our good stuff. Um, But when our eyes are not set on Christ, our lives are no longer filled with the passion and the love of God. Um, And we just give way to apathy. But but what does happen when we look to Christ? Well, that's that's what these next verses are about, starting in verse 10. Right? So verses 5 to 9 have shown us what happens when we're looking away And it takes root both in our hearts and our relationships. But in verses 10 to 15, we see that all of this gets put right whenever we set our eyes on Jesus. Verse 10 says that when our eyes are set on Christ, we are renewed in knowledge according to the image of our Creator. Our hearts are renewed and we are made pure. And then in verse 11, it shows that not only our hearts, but also our relationships, the whole world is renewed. It says, in that renewal, there is no longer Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free. When our vision is set on Christ, Christ is all and in all. All things are renewed. And then in verse 12, he continues describing this renewal with another set of five Um, This time, virtues rather than vices. It says, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. These kinds of things fly in the face of apathy, right? You can't be apathetic and kind. Apathy zaps kindness from a person. He goes on to write about bearing with one another, forgiving one another, about love and peace and thankfulness. And these are things that are anything but apathetic. When our eyes are set on Christ, we are not filled with apathy, but rather affection for the one body to which indeed you were called. 
And this is reaching back to last week, that we are one body together, even as we are many. When we set our eyes on Christ, we are renewed. And I need to emphasize the verb tense here again. Uh, Verse 10 says, being renewed. Remember, following Jesus is this ongoing journey. And here we see that this is all a work in progress. Our hearts are being made pure. Our relationships and our society is being restored. This is not a done deal yet. The ongoing journey of following Jesus is difficult because there are constantly things trying to contradict the restoration that's coming about. We're constantly being told stories that are different from the gospel story of Christ raised and of us raised in him. That's what we read about here in the, in the first verses. There, these stories uh, that we hear throughout the week, some of them might puff us up and make us believe that we can make it without Jesus. Um, you know, all we need to do is, you know, order the newest gadget or, you know, sign up for the next subscription. Um, other stories that we hear throughout the week, um, rather than puffing us up, kind of presses us down and makes us think that we're not adequate, uh, that we're not good enough, that we're just sort of lowly, awful people. And the reality is that Jesus is raised and we are raised in him. Maybe the things that we're hearing from week to week are just the reality of people being sick, wrestling with health, of loved ones growing sick, of, of losing life. Um, and, and yeah, like we've got to grieve that. But the gospel story is that sickness and death don't have the last word. And so we're reminded again and again that this gospel story is what is true and what we're living in. The the story uh, cultivates habits of praise. Rather, I'm talking about, you know, what what we do mindlessly whenever we're driving accidentally somewhere that we didn't mean to. Uh, Our experiences throughout the week can often cultivate evil, anger, apathy, Um, But but the story of the gospel cultivates totally different kinds of habits. It can be easy to turn our eyes away from Jesus or to feel hopeless. So how do we combat these bad habits that that come up in us? How do we combat uh, the things that distract us from Christ? How do we turn our eyes back to Jesus to nurture love and peace and thankfulness in our hearts? we finally reach the last two verses. And I think this is the answer. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God. We gather to do these things each week because they combat the false stories that we're hearing throughout our life, throughout every day, throughout the week, and they cultivate new habits that unseat our old ones and set our vision on Christ. And so I want to say a few things about these as we kind of draw this to a close. 
Um, first and foremost, the, the reality, and, and I realized this as I was reading this this week, is that these directly combat the problems that Paul had talked about earlier. And they combat them by setting our minds on Christ. Paul had warned us against sin, um, but the end goal isn't just to stop sinning, right? Rather, the end goal is to set our minds on Christ. And consequently, sin will fall off when we've done that. We combat sin by setting our minds on Christ. And rather than impurity within our hearts or anger in our relationships, we have the word of Christ dwelling in our hearts and songs of praise coming out in our relationships. And that leads me to the next thing that I wanted to say about these, that they are meant to seamlessly flow together. The, the translation that we read from together um, kind of puts these out in more of like a list form of commandments. You know, let the word of Christ do this. Teach and admonish one another. Sing songs. And that's not actually how the, the text should read. Um, some other translations do this better. Uh, the only command there is to let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Everything else is just assumed to naturally flow out of that. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another. That's just going to happen. And as you're teaching and admonishing one another, at some point you're going to run out of words to say, and you're just going to have to start singing. Like, it's just going to happen. Because that's what happens when our hearts are stirred toward Christ. These all flow together. So what does it mean when we, uh, to, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly? Because that's the, that's the one command. The rest we can trust the Spirit for. Um, what does it mean to do this? Uh, simply put, being abundantly hospitable to the word of Christ. That word dwell is literally the word um, to in-house, um, to, to live in a house, And then the word richly is this word that means abundance. And so, in some ways, I think what it's saying is when you invite the word of Christ over, be extravagant with it. Don't give it just the last bits of your time and your energy, but man, like, really roll out the red carpet for the word of Christ. (laughs) Um, Be abundantly, extravagantly hospitable as we invite the word of Christ to dwell in us, we invite it richly. The last thing that I want to say about this is just found in the last verse, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Our worship is not confined to this space. Our liturgy is meant to spill out into all of life. That's the pattern here. Liturgy unto life. Worship unto our lives in the world. That's what this leads us into. Two weeks ago, I talked about training and godliness. Well, our liturgy here is our training ground. Like we come together, we pray, we sing, we read scripture to train ourselves in godliness. This is where we practice together. And then we are sent out from here. 
every week. This is the pattern. These are the holy habits that we cultivate together so that will take root in our lives every day so that we no longer default to the habits of anger and greed that Paul warned us about, but rather we'll turn to thanksgiving and praise without even thinking about it. It just becomes a habit. This is who I am. Someone who's all about Jesus. And so the passage ends at the same place where it began. We began with the call to set our minds on Jesus, and here at the end we see that everything we do, both word and deed, is in the name of Jesus. So why do we do what we do as a church? Well, we do it so that we can be who we are as the church, a people all about Christ. May it be so. Amen.